the Orthodox Church is is a very Christ-centered church. There's no question about it. Theologically, liturgically, historically, in every other way, Jesus Christ is the center of the church in his Trinitarian relations. The problem comes not so much what's on the books, but what's in the heart. Does the Orthodox Church need to reclaim the gospel? Stay tuned for a fascinating interview with Dr. Bradley Nassif, next on Ancient Faith Radio. And on Ancient Faith Radio today, we have a special guest. He is Dr. Bradley Nassif, who is a professor of biblical and theological studies at North Park University in Chicago. Dr. Nassif, welcome to Ancient Faith Radio. Thank you, John. And I understand you're a listener. I am. This I have been listening to your radio station for the last month, and I'm absolutely delighted. It's uh, really the best program, Orthodox program that I've come across. Well, you're very kind, and it's great to have you have you listening. There's so many things I want to talk to you about, because uh, even in our journey toward Orthodoxy, I can remember reading some things that you wrote that were very influential in our, in our walk, uh, coming from an evangelical background, trying to figure out, for example, the relationship of, of uh, Orthodox Christianity in Romania to uh, other evangelicals, and how the relationships there have have gone, and uh, you wrote a, a paper on that that I found quite uh, fascinating and informative. How did you come about uh, doing that? Well, it uh, came about because of my uh, work in studying in both Orthodox and Evangelical settings over the years, and I realized after studying in both uh, Orthodox and, or, and Evangelical seminaries that neither side really understood each other very mm -hmm. well, so it was my intention to try to build a bridge. And by writing that article, especially in the 90s when Orthodoxy was becoming more known in the West, there were a great many evangelical Protestant missionaries going to those parts of the world. So I felt there was a need to address the uh, missionary activity that was going on in that part of the world. So my intention is to build a constructive bridge of dialogue and that's what motivated it. Well, and it served its purpose uh, well because it was shortly afterwards that we took a trip to Romania and uh, uh, the material that uh, you provided was quite helpful. And speaking of material that you've been involved with, there's a recent book out uh, on uh, the Zondervan label about, uh, I think it's called Four Views of Eastern Orthodoxy? Three Views of Three Eastern views. Orthodoxy okay. and Evangelicalism. And mm -hmm. uh, uh, tell us about that book. What is that about? Uh, this is a book that has brought together both Orthodox and Evangelical theologians to discuss the question of compatibility. How compatible theologically is Orthodoxy and Evangelicalism? So uh, Jim Stamoulis, the editor, asked me to, to uh, represent the Orthodox view, and I've been pretty optimistic, as you probably know about evangelical theology, uh, though not critical of it. No, not non-critical of it, I should say. Um, so I did the 
yes part and then other people wrote the no and maybe so it's a yes no or maybe format and the idea is to try to bring constructive dialogue on a theological level but comparing the two traditions and it's a it's a useful work and i did appreciate very much uh, your participation uh but don't expect to go to that book and read something that's totally complementary to orthodoxy right right Right. You have a number of, uh, there's some rather uh, negative views in there, uh, pessimistic views by a few evangelical writers against the Orthodox Church. And I understand that, especially one of them particularly comes from an Eastern Romanian context, and so he's into that. But what I've done, the chapter I wrote is titled, The Evangelical Theology of the Eastern Orthodox Church. And it's an attempt to survey how the, what I did was I asked, how do the, would the Greek fathers answer the question of evangelical identity. So I used a study by Mark Knoll and Bebbington, especially from England, to identify the marks of evangelicalism. And so I identified what they are, and then I asked, how would the Greek fathers answer these issues that define evangelical theology? And so I end up uh, outlining where we're alike and where we're different. And I think the chapter is very important to read for people that fail to understand the evangelical dimensions of the Eastern Orthodox faith. So it's been my concern to try to be faithful to the church's tradition and in being faithful to it, try to see where where are the evangelical marks of the church that I think we need to recover. Now, it's interesting, uh, Dr. Nassif, because anybody who has read your work would easily come to the conclusion that you are a convert to orthodoxy from the evangelical world, and that's not true. <laughs> it's not true. No, I, I'm, I'm Lebanese. I grew up in, uh, my mother and father were, and my grandparents came from Lebanon many years ago. I grew up in Wichita, Kansas at St. Mary's Orthodox Church, so I am, uh, I am a cradle-born Orthodox, and, uh, and uh, that has been my uh, church's uh, background. Yet you would say you had a conversion experience. Yes. So tell us about that. Well, I grew up in the Orthodox Church and during the days of the immigrant period where many of the priests coming from the old country could just simply do the liturgy. They were not theologically sophisticated. So I grew up uh, really not understanding a great, a great deal of the church's faith. And I also, unfortunately, grew up in a divorced home where my mother and father were not together, and that impacted me as well. So I grew up during my junior, during my junior high and high school years, uh, what I would say would be religious but lost. I went to church every Sunday. I made the sign of the cross. I helped the priest out. I was a good moral person, but I didn't have a, really a personal relationship with God. I was even ordained when I was 16. I was going to be uh, by Archbishop Michael Shaheen, so I'm a subdeacon um, in that, and I... Uh, was going to be a priest. But again, I really didn't understand the simplicity and the clarity of the gospel, and it was due to um, evangelical people that had friends in high school as well as Billy Graham when I was younger that influenced me to uh, a simple commitment of faith in Jesus Christ. And that happened to me on September 17, 1971. I was 17 years old, and uh, my whole life uh, changed at that point. And I had uh, what I would call an orthodox awakening, very much along the lines of what St. Gregory Palamas described, St. Simeon the New Theologian, and Macarius of Egypt, where we had a conscious personal awakening and awareness of God's presence in my heart. Other stories like that generally lead to the individual staying within evangelicalism. What drew you back 
to the Orthodox Church then? It was actually, uh, <clears throat> I would say, to be quite honest, it was due to my studies at uh, Denver Seminary hmm. in Colorado, where I took a course on church history with Dr. Tim Weber, uh, Timothy Weber. And uh, he was able to explain in a survey course on church history, especially going through the ancient period, lights went off in my head. He talked about the Nicene Creed, the role of tradition, the importance of scripture, and the great church fathers. And I remember, oh my gosh, this is what I've been saying every week in church, the Nicene Creed. So it, it, I had this experiential reference point already built in because I had grown up in the church. And when Tim talked about that, uh, then all these lights went on and I said, oh, well, you know, obviously uh, now it makes more sense to me. And it's from that point that I wanted to go to St. Vladimir's to study more of, about our own faith. We're talking with Dr. Bradley Nassif, who is professor of biblical and theological studies at North Park University in Chicago, a university associated with the Evangelical Covenant Church. That's right. And how is it working for you to uh, be an Orthodox uh, professor here? Well, I'm absolutely delighted. What's so nice about the Evangelical Covenant community is that uh, they have welcomed me with open arms, and uh, we, uh, they uh, know who I am as an Orthodox. They hired me as an Orthodox, and yet uh, we share a common theological vision uh, for what, the, what is stated in their own um, affirmation of faith. So I'm fortunate in that uh, Dr. Scott McKnight, uh, the person that invited me to apply for this position, is now also the head of the department, and he's done a lot of work in the Jesus Creed, and he's a historical Jesus scholar. So um, my work here at the school is really innovative because I don't think there's anybody in the entire United States, no evangelical school, there is no evangelical school that has a full-time Orthodox theologian in the religion department. Now you can ha you'll find them in sociology or politics, but not in the theology. So North pa North Park is breaking new ground, and I feel especially responsible that I do my best in this context, and uh, it's working out. And you told me earlier there's an entire course of Eastern Christianity history and theology, right? That's the exciting thing. We're starting a new course next next spring called the Eastern Theological Tradition and it will be offered every year and my job will be to teach the uh, history the, the history of Eastern Orthodox theology. So I will be sur surveying the great church fathers in the early and Byzantine church from the 4th to the 14th centuries and then uh, talk about how subsequent developments occurred in Russia and Eastern Europe and the Middle East. What I really want to talk to you about today is an article that you recently wrote in the March issue of Word magazine. And those of you who are in the Antiochian Archdiocese are very familiar with Word. Uh, those of you in uh, the OCA or Greek or Romanian, you may not understand uh, that this is the official publication of, the, of uh, Metropolitan Philip and the Archdiocese. The title of your article is Reclaiming the Gospel. A very intriguing title in an Orthodox magazine, and we want to kind of explore that a little bit. Uh, you say in the opening lines that the most urgent need in the Orthodox world today is the need for an aggressive internal mission of reconverting our people to Jesus Christ. The gospel of Christ and our life in him need to be reclaimed as the very centerpiece of church life. So, Dr. Nassif, is it not now the centerpiece of church life in Orthodoxy? I think it is there in a formal way, but not in a practical way. 
and that's my point. The Orthodox Church has is is a very Christ-centered church. There's no question about it. Theologically, liturgically, historically, in every other way, Jesus Christ is the center of the church in his Trinitarian relations. No question about it. Uh, the problem comes not so much what's on the books, but what's in the heart. Uh, people can be like me where you can go to church especially I'm talking more at this point some it applies to the United States yes but it also applies to the old motherland countries of Russia Greece Eastern Europe the Middle East where um, the church's faith is there but people do not have a personal relationship with God um, so yes it is there in a formal way but it's not being made manifest in a practical way and this is the great danger it's a pastoral call for pastors to recover what is already there in the liturgy and simply put a spotlight on it so that Christ is under Christ is becomes the one that is glorified not orthodoxy as a religion so you're not saying there's something wrong with our theology or with the church itself in terms of its its connectedness and it uh, in who it is the uh, the basis for orthodoxy you're talking about more of the praxis about the day-to-day -day experience that's correct I'm talking about how the church actually lives itself out in the world. Uh, the faith is there on the books, but it needs to be recovered and highlighted and made central in all we do. In every liturgical act, in every prayerful act we do, in every season of fasting and prayer, in every sacramental act of, uh, of the church's life, uh, the pastor and people need to be made more aware of the centrality of Jesus Christ and uh, not substitute uh, religious forms or barren ritualism for the life-giving relationship that uh, God wants us to have. Are you finding this to be a controversial message uh, in the circles, uh, in Orthodox circles? Well, I've been delighted to find that uh, once this article got out, there we, we I've had uh, quite a large number of responses, and uh, only maybe three or four negative, and the positive responses have come from both priests and people. And so this has been really encouraging to me. The negative ones, believe it or not, have come from evangelical converts mm. to the Orthodox Church who, uh, who uh, understandably have, uh, you know, they came from a tradition where Christ was preached, but they didn't have the fullness of the church, so they wanted to preach orthodoxy instead of Christ. And um, so through conversation, I think they understood what I was trying to say, and it made a little bit more sense to them. But for the most part, uh, I think we're really, at, if the bishops can take this sentiment, and if I can work together with them, we may well see the winds of renewal come across the Orthodox Church. And that's my hope and my prayer, is that the bishops would hear what the people are saying and the need for uh, simply becoming more orthodox by, become, by becoming more God-centered and Christ-centered. We're talking with Dr. Bradley Nassif from North Park University in Chicago, a professor of the Department of uh, Theology and uh, Biblical Studies, and we're discussing his uh, article in Word magazine entitled Reclaiming the Gospel. And uh, Dr. Nassif, in this article you refer to the amount of time that many converts to orthodoxy from an evangelical background spend in comparing their newfound faith with their former experience or the tradition they grew up with. Talk to us about that. Well, this is, this is understandable because uh, people that come from any background, there is this kind of convert mentality that can transpire, and, and it does, and it's normal, and it, it's, it's a good thing because they have come out of a certain tradition, and it's important for them to understand there's a difference between orthodoxy and the evangelical background that 
that they came out of. That being said, um, it can it, it needs we need to move beyond that. And I think what's happening in so many quarters today is that orthodoxy ends up becoming a, almost a sick religious addiction to um, to our differences with the West. And how different? I mean, you can all, in most of our churches today, you can hardly go a year without someone preaching about how different we are from the Catholics or how different we are from the Protestants. And that seems to be all we get from the pulpit is how different we are. We're different. We're orthodoxy, orthodoxy, orthodoxy. We're different than the Protestants. We're different from the Catholics. And this is the way it is. And it's like that's all we hear. And spiritually, this is dangerous because we end up substituting. Um, the most important thing in our faith, which is God's revelation in Christ, with theological differences. Now, I not don't misunderstand me to say that differences don't matter. They do matter. It's important that we understand the differences between orthodoxy and Protestant faith or evangelical or Catholic faith. Um, that that That's being said. But I'm talking to an orthodox audience, people that whose faith we already share. And so I'm talking to an in-house group of people who need to um, perhaps redress a balance. So this is a message to the family. Right. And uh, the family consists of people who have grown up Orthodox, they're cradle Orthodox. Many of them from the motherlands have come over to this country and have established their churches. And their connection to home is often through the church. And then you have those of us who are converts, who are excited about our newfound faith, and we're, we want to tell others how much better this is than, than what we had before. And we still believe that. It is, of course, it's, it, we feel it's better. It's it's what we've been looking for, but yet there is a danger, isn't there, of of making that uh, difference the centerpiece instead of the gospel and Christ Himself. Correct. <clears throat> That's my point. You make a statement that I I wish we would talk more about the Christian faith and less about orthodoxy. If the gospel is made clearer and more central to all we do in the church. We will truly be orthodox in reality and not in name only. So you're not talking about a pseudo-orthodoxy. You're talking about true orthodoxy. That's the point. True orthodoxy is Christ-centered in his Trinitarian relations. And that's all I seek to recover. It's a very simple thing. It's an ABC message. But yet we forget the basics of the faith. And all I'm doing is simply calling us back to the beginnings. What can we do on a practical level to encourage this uh, in our own parishes, in the circles that, uh, that uh, we frequent? I think a practical thing is very much uh, simply a reading of the Gospels once again. The book of the Gospels sits on the altar of our churches. It is the only book that occupies that place. It is a special place in the church. The priest puts the book of the Gospels on the altar, and it tells us that Christ is the, in, in our midst. And every, nothing in this world can be understood apart from our relationship with Christ and his church and the sacraments and all that are there in the church. So... Uh, I think on a practical level, we need to read the Bible more. Uh, St. John Chrysostom said the lack of scriptural knowledge is the source of all evils in the church. So we need to uh, read the Bible more. But even not just that, uh, uh, John, I think what's important is that we need to have a clear perception of what the gospel is and what the gospel is not. The gospel is very simply God becoming man in Jesus Christ, 
and the proclamation of the good news that salvation comes through faith and repentance in him, through baptism in his church, and by entering into that fuller sacramental life that God gives us in his church. Now, the simplicity of that message and the basicness of it can be missed, and we end up preaching about icons, we preach about the incense, the priest's garments, we talk about the, icon, the iconography, we talk about the architecture. All these things are important and inseparable to the centrality of Christ, but there's a difference between those things as they relate to Christ and Jesus Christ himself. That's all I'm saying. This will impact our witness in the world. It'll impact our evangelism. Uh, you make the statement in your article about uh, the message of our missions uh, is not come to church, it's come to Christ. Uh, we had a uh, couple of street evangelists on our program uh, not long ago who are uh, Orthodox campus preachers, and they go out, set up on the corner in on the local campus, and they begin preaching Christ. And uh, I interviewed them, and I said, "Well, as as Orthodox evangelists, you know, what is your message then uh, on that corner?" And he looked at me kind of strangely and said, well, Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, and you need to have Christ in your life. Well, I said, well, that sounds like the message we had as evangelicals. Well, it is the message we had as evangelicals. And, of course, we want people then to experience the fullness of that in his church and enter into the sacramental life of the church. Uh, but the gospel is the gospel, isn't it? That's right. That's right. And that's a good point you make. Well, uh, this has been very fascinating, and we, we really appreciate the opportunity to chat with you uh, about your article, but uh, there's so many other things I, w I would like to talk about. And one of the things I know you've been involved with, uh, we talked about this a little bit earlier, is the dialogue between evangelicals and Orthodox. And there is a society uh, that has been established that uh, meets from time to time to uh, discuss these things. Uh, what, what was the name of that again? The Society for the Study of Eastern Orthodoxy and Evangelicalism. Is that still active? It's active. We're in the transitional period now where I am passing off the uh, baton of presidency to someone else, and we're now looking for a president for ah. that. And uh, what happens? At, do you have meetings, uh, conferences? Yeah, we have had uh, meetings in the past. We used to meet at Wheaton College and uh, no longer meet there, but we uh, uh, have met at other ortho we met at an Orthodox church in California was our last meeting, St. Paul's Greek Orthodox Church in Irvine. And what we do is we have uh, leading Orthodox uh, theologians meet with leading evangelical theologians to discuss a particular topic. So it is a theological dialogue. Our last meeting was from with Dr. J.I. Packer and uh, Dr. Edward Rahman. Mm -hmm. Father Rahman. Yes. So we have uh, had that. We've had people like Father Stanley Herakus, uh, Father Ted Stelianopoulos, Emmanuel Klapsis, Leonid Kishkovsky uh, as Orthodox speakers in the past, and uh, good evangelical speakers like Gerald Bray, J.I. Packer, um, Tom Oden, uh, Harold O.J. Brown, those type people. Yes, and are you finding... Uh better understanding as the result? Are you encouraged by what has happened? Right. I think actually we broke ground. Uh, in those days, you know, to even have a... Di this was back in the 90s when we first started, and it was kind of... Uh 
poo-pooed to think that orthodoxy and, and evangelicals could talk on any serious level. So I think by doing that, we showed that, in fact, there could be some dialogue, and it made it much easier for people now not to and more free to talk about these matters and not to be just negative about them. Well, we want to thank Dr. Brad Nassif, who is Professor of Biblical and Theological Studies at North Park University, for joining us today on Ancient Faith Radio. Thank you. It's my privilege to be here. We'll look forward to uh, more conversations in the future. This is Ancient Faith Radio, timeless Christianity, 24 hours a day. 